Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis. This is Cats at Night, the number one show at 5 o'clock. And I tell you, number one show by a, by a large margin. And uh, uh, today, uh, we have in the studios with us a uh, uh, former uh, judge, Retired. My God, you're too young to retire. Thank you very Judge much. Judge Richard Weinberg <laughs> and uh, former GOP chairman for 10 years, uh, uh, Ed Cox, and, and my sidekick next to me, uh, Lydia Serrani. Uh, and, uh, well, it's almost Friday, guys. TGIF, almost. TGIF, almost Friday. <laughs> it's Thursday. Uh, today, we have the former governor of uh, the state of New York, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, I go back with his father a long, long time. Uh, I go back with him a long, long time. And uh, Governor Cuomo, I understand you're, you're marching on with those podcasts. Tell us about it. Uh, good to be with you, John, and good to be uh, with you. And congratulations on being number one at five o'clock by a large margin. Large margin. Large margin. Uh, Judge, good to uh, be with you. And Chairman uh, Scott, good to be with you. And Lydia, uh, a pleasure as always. Uh, you know, I was talking about the issue today, John, of uh, migrants in this country. New York City has a major problem. Uh, about 17,000 migrants have been sent to New York City, cost of $1 billion, right? Uh, and Mayor Adams has been trying to figure out what to do with them, and now a facility in Randall's Island. But it's the last problem New York City needed, right? This is on top of homeless, on top of everything else. Uh, and the migrants have overwhelmed the homeless system, uh, and he's actually uh, had to find a way to build new facilities. It's New York it's Washington, D.C., it's Chicago, it's uh, Atlanta, L.A. And the migrants, as you know, are being sent up from the southern states. Uh, but it's a more complicated situation than uh, people want to make it. You know, we're now in this political mode where everything's black and white. You're Democrat, you're a Republican. Uh, these are not immigrants. These are asylum seekers. And what happened is uh, President Trump had closed the border to asylum seekers where they had to stay on the Mexico side of the border until their claim was heard. And President Biden opposed that. And he said, I'm going to open the border and they can wait in this country, which had been the longstanding practice. It went on for a couple of years. He opened the border, but they never made preparations for the influx. And now you had this backlog of people who were waiting for the gates to open. The gates open, the crowd comes in. State of Texas was overwhelmed. I understand Governor Abbott's point. Uh, State of Florida was overwhelmed. The border towns, El Paso, it went up 40%. uh, And they then sent the migrants north to make their point. But the federal government did drop the ball. When you open the gates, you have to be prepared to deal with the issue. You know, when you change policy, you need the program 
ready for the policy change. It's not just political rhetoric. I agree. We all, we, we all agree. Uh, Governor, we all agree. Because, but and the bigger problem even on the border is uh, the drugs coming into America and killing American people. Well, look, you have you have both. And I think they're they're tied together because the border now is overwhelmed, John. And uh, you talk to the, the customs agents and any of the federal officials, the volume is just so high because the border was closed for a few years. It was then forecast that it was going to be opened. Uh, and you've had all sorts of illegal activity uh, coming up in preparation for the border opening. And uh, it happened. And it's all across the country. And uh, the federal government is is primarily responsible. Immigration is a federal issue. It's not Mayor Adams' issue. He should not be paying a billion dollars and having to figure out where to put them. This should be the federal government that comes in, steps up to the plate, and takes responsibility. The state of New York government, by the way, also has responsibility. New York City is a sanctuary city. New York State's a sanctuary state. Why doesn't the state come in and say, you know what, we're going to spread this around upstate, Long Island, everybody help out. Mm -hmm. Uh, 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 And on top of that, and last point, for the Republican governors to play politics by moving people around this country was reprehensible. Governor DeSantis from Florida, I get the point, the political point. Uh, but it was just wrong to use migrants as political pawns on the chessboard. He's under civil and criminal investigation for it. Uh, I've seen a lot of lousy politics, but this was uh, one of the worst stunts that I've seen. Well, yeah, yes. I mean, uh, I, I guess they're all playing their own uh, in their own arena. Uh, but those some of those people went up to Martha's Vineyard, where you know supposedly they they love them and they want to help them. Welcome and- to Martha's Vineyard. Now get the hell out. <laughs> yeah. Well, but look, uh, this is that Governor DeSantis puts uh, puts them on a plane and sends them to Martha's Vineyard. It was a stunt. It yes, was it was. It, we, you know, the truth is, it is it, it is a stunt. What, my, yeah. Governor, may I ask it you a works. question? What about Please. the Biden? And I think you're absolutely correct. That's a failure of the Biden administration to have a policy and a program to deal with this. But how about the Biden administration flying people into the Westchester airports in the middle of the night without any notice to localities and dispersing them around the state of New York, Governor? Look, I am not... Uh, I'm not playing politics here with this one, Judge. I'm not saying, uh, well, the Republicans are bad and the Democrats are good. I'm done with that garbage. You know, that's why this country is in the situation that it's in. Uh, The federal government blew it. The federal government dropped the ball. Yep. And, and, Uh, And they're not subsidizing the states where these people are going. Not only not subsidizing, John, I would go further than that. It's their responsibility. Yes. If I'm Mayor Adams, I'm governor of the state of New York, I call up Joe Biden and say, hey, come here and figure it out. Because I have 17,000 people who came to the country by your order and uh, I don't have the ability to deal with it. And it's not my problem. Yep. One thing the local government doesn't do and state government doesn't do is immigration. Uh, So it is a federal responsibility, purely. 
And, and when I saw uh, Mayor Adams, is the same discussion we had years and years ago about the cruise ships. I told him, call President Biden, get a, a retired aircraft carrier. You could sleep 10,000 people on it. Yeah, but look, first of all, I would say, President Biden, you figure it out, yeah. right? Yeah, it is. He's right. He's right. You're right. You want, yeah, you want to start to talk about taking care of the 17,000 migrants. All right. That's on top of 40,000 homeless. You know what I mean? Uh, so where does it stop? Well, we're going to find cruise ships for the migrants. Mm. And how about the homeless who are already in the shelters? And how about the people who are on the street who you have to get off the street? You know, this was an additional issue on top of everything else that was created by the federal government's own making. Governor Ed Cox here. Is that because they're ignoring it? I mean, they're they're saying the head of Homeland Security, saying the vice president, the border is secure. Is it really secure? Well, secure, Ed, uh, by their terms, by their policy, they're saying it is secure. They're saying asylum seekers are allowed to enter. They're not sneaking through. We are allowing them to come in. And by the way, that has been the long term policy until Trump changed it. And I agree with the policy. But uh, it's the competence of government that is failing. You know, government is not rhetoric. It's operational. <laughs> it's details, baby. Oh, yep. Uh, That's it. Let them come in. And, and where are they going to stay? And what car are they going to drive in? And who's going to process the paperwork? Uh, the immigration, the backlog on immigration claims, they have like 2 million pending already, 750,000 asylum claims. It can take years to have an asylum claim heard. Where do they go in the meantime? It's crazy. It's, it's oh, not. Who keeps track and, of them and in the Governor, meantime? the other big problem we have in the state is the crime problem. I mean, it's getting out of control, and it seems like nobody's taking it serious. Uh, what say you? I say it's worse. It's even worse than that, John. I'm in an Uber. Now I'm an old guy, right? I'm a New York City guy all my life. I'm in an Uber. The driver is is even older than me, probably about, <laughs> 70, probably about 70 years old. The guy from Manhattan ran bars in Manhattan, uh, all sorts of different jobs, but a real New York City guy. And we're chatting. Uh, and I said, what do you think about how bad it is? He says, worse than ever. Mm. I said, hold on. I said, not worse than ever. Not like uh, late 70s, the 80s. Uh, you're afraid to walk down the block, the chain snatching. Uh, you couldn't show jewelry. He said, you're wrong, Governor. Worse than ever, I'm telling you. Now, that there should even be a debate whether it's worse than it was at the worst part is frightening. Uh, it is very bad. And, you know, uh, public safety works two ways. There's the reality of it and there's the perception of it. People are saying, I feel scared. I feel afraid. They, they, they are well, afraid. Governor, yeah. they are afraid. They're scared to take subways. They're scared to, to walk around to dinner. Uh, people are going to an early dinner while it's still light. They're st- scared to walk around the streets. And uh, you know where I live, Governor, and, and I took my wife to the last Saturday night up around the corner to the restaurant. Uh, I had... Uh, <laughs> 
walking through those dark streets, I was nervous. Yeah. And look, you have politicians saying to them, you shouldn't be scared. What kind of answer is that? Don't tell me how to feel. If I tell you I feel scared, that's how I feel. The answer can't be your feeling is not valid. And then they're very good. They're very good at saying what's not the problem. The laws aren't the problem. Enforcement's not the problem. DAs aren't the problem. Judges aren't the problem. Well, what is the problem? And fix it. Identify the problem and fix it. The, and that's what we're not doing. And the MTA is in trouble. Uh, and, uh, you know, a large percentage of the people are not paying uh, the, 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 fare. the fare at all. Yeah, but John, this this goes back three years. Uh, it's an overreaction to uh, a, a situation where the community lost faith in police, and there were situations that were terrible. You know, uh, the uh, Mr. Floyd situation, et cetera. Uh, I understand we need responsible, effective uh, policing. And police need the right protocol, the right training, et cetera. But you need police. You know, I called for uh, a cop on every train uh, when I was governor. And I got shouted down. No, we don't need more police. Defund the police. See, this is the problem. Uh, Eric Adams, uh, Mayor Adams, and uh, Governor Hochul had a press conference last Saturday that they're going to get 1,200 police officers to work over overtime Mm. on the subways. But those police officers, between me and you, and we know each other a long time, they're scared stiff. They're not going to arrest anybody. I mean, the people they arrest will end up going home before they're still filling out paperwork. Yeah, and look, they're afraid. You need, I think, more police, number one. And number two, the police have to be able to do their job, and they have to know that they're going to have the backup to do their job, uh, and that there's not going to be a video uh, that uh, is going to get everybody fired. You know, they have to do it right. They have to be respectful. They have to follow the law. Yes. But police have to be able to police. The police, between me and you, we know each other a long time, they're starting to get scared. That's why they're retiring. You know, if you only have one, if 4,000 police officers are retiring Mm -hmm. and he's getting 1,200 to to do overtime, you know, when your dad was was governor uh, and uh, at the time of David Dinkins, too, they hired 6,000 new police officers. This is 1,200 police officers on overtime with no new police officers. I mean, that's a, it's a joke. It makes no sense. It, well, because they're in denial. Uh, you know, we're in denial. We don't have a problem. No, we do have a problem. You just feel unsafe. Uh, you shouldn't feel that way. No, we have a problem. And it is both personnel uh, and then the personnel who have the training to do the job. And you have to back them up. You know, a lot of the police officers will say, look, I'm not touching anybody because if I touch anyone, I get into trouble. And I think you're right, John. And we live this. We know how to do this. We did it. Well, let me just finish one quick point. We We did this once before. David Dinkins came in. 
beautiful mayor. My father was governor. The city was in real 6, trouble. 6,000 new. And, and the judge is jumping up and down. Wait, he I says, was, Peter yeah. Vallone helped too. He wait, says, wait, wait. <laughs> Peter I was there. Peter Vallone, yes. I was God there. Peter you Vallone. were there. Your father was yes. there. We had effective leadership. The Safe Street, Safe City was a, Peter, yeah. was a Peter Vallone initiative. We brought Dinkins along. Your father was there. He led the legislative leaders in the Assembly and the Senate, and we protected the city. That's the record. And the fact yeah. is, we can do it again, but you need strong leadership need again. But how do you fix that the problem? How do you fix By the problem? The, strong no, leadership. Go, you have to, you wait, have let to me turn ask the, that legislature let me ask the around. Governor, Governor, Governor Cuomo, if you had a magic wand, how do you fix the problem? You're an effective leader. You know what you're doing. How do you fix the problem? Obviously, the first step is acknowledging there's a problem, which a lot of people are not doing. But how do you fix the problem once you acknowledge it? Safe streets, safe cities, too. You don't have to come up with uh, reinvent the wheel. You know how to do this. We did it before. Safe cities, safe streets, 6,000 cops. It increased the percent of cops on parole, on patrol by 54%. Mm. Think about that. Additional cops on patrol by 54%. And there was community empowerment programs, uh, et cetera. The state, Governor Mario Cuomo, God rest his soul, they passed it and they funded it. And Mayor Dinkins did it in partnership with the state. That's what we need here. And then the police have to be able to do their job. And they have to be able to do and their they, job without fear of being criticized. Or, 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 or their pension taken away from them. Yeah. Somebody yeah, has look, to back the, back the blue. And that's the bottom line. Yes. Now, if, somebody, if a cop does something wrong... Of course. Agreed. Of course. But you can't go so far the other way that people are afraid to do their job. Governor, because you had the common sense of your father, so I guess you must be the, your father's son. I had his big nose, too. <laughs> one, one last point, John. Tell us, because we have to take a break in about a minute. I was HUD secretary, Housing and Urban Development. I worked in every state in this country. I worked in hundreds of cities. Cities have a tipping point. And once they get past that tipping point, it's very hard to get them back. You cannot mess around with the feeling of public safety, not post-COVID, when people can live anywhere, uh, work from home. They don't have to be in New York City anymore. Don't take them for granted. We agree 100 percent, Governor. Governor, uh, tell us uh, where people can hear your podcast. Uh, on Apple Podcast. Uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, um, and that's it. Andrew Cuomo, Apple Podcast. As a matter of fact is the name of the podcast. As a matter of fact, because facts are nice. We used to deal in facts at one time. Remember that, Judge? Yes, yes sir, we did. <laughs> judge, you had you had Peter Valone. You ran Peter Valone's office with Peter Valone. And, uh, and we had and, a great guy. We had a great governor. Cuomo that had common sense. We got sense. the job done. We got and Judge, you're a common sense Democrat. Governor Cuomo's a common sense Democrat. What happened to your party? Went crazy left on us. That's what happened. Well, it went the the moderates who are the predominance of the party, and I saw this in Albany, are afraid of the left. The left is tiny, but they are mighty because they are activists and they're on social media and they threaten primaries. And the tail is wagging the donkey. 
The tail is wagging the elephant also, by the way. And that's another conversation with the position on abortion and, and marriage equality, et cetera. But it's the extremes who are pulling the moderates and paralyzing the moderates. Agreed. Governor Amen. Cuomo, let's have more discussions. I think our audience uh, likes what you're saying, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. Good to be with you, Judge Ed, Lydia. John, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Cuomo. And, and now is uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and he has some common sense. And, and now and we got John- some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. And that breaking news coming from who else but John Solomon of JustTheNews.com. That's JustTheNews.com. John Solomon, what do you have for us? Well, listen, uh, big story. There's been a lot of discussion about this practice of ballot harvesting, which a lot of people uh, in many states, it's illegal. Democrats have tried to poo-poo it. Uh, A famous movie came out, 2000 Mules, trying to illustrate that it might be going on. Uh, Big revelation in Florida, in central Florida, a Democrat candidate is blowing the whistle on her own party saying, hey, for two decades in the Orlando area, central Florida, important part of the state for Democrats, Democrats have been running a ballot harvesting operations. People are paid $10 to go and get someone's ballot. Sometimes they open up the ballot, make changes to the ballot. Sometimes they throw the ballot out if they don't like the vote that that person made. The target has been predominantly African-American community in the Orlando Kissimmee area. And uh, she provides this evidence as a whistleblower to the state government, the brand new election police department that Ron DeSantis created. They look at it, determined it has significant merit. They have now forwarded to the state police to begin a criminal investigation. A very big revelation. And this, what she describes, the behavior she describes, matches what Racine County, Wisconsin sheriffs have found in nursing homes in Wisconsin, matches what Mark Burnovich, the attorney general in Arizona, has found in several cases out there, including just last week, when a Democratic mayor, former Democratic mayor, pleaded guilty to being a ballot harvester in Yuma County, one of the influential counties in Arizona. Uh, there's been a lot that of effort in the mainstream media. To it's, wild it. that, it's wild that it's still going on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, uh, in addition, I understand, I, I read a story uh, today uh, that in Pennsylvania, they don't expect results for for what, like a few days. And I jokingly said, I jokingly said, well, if they're short votes, does that mean they're calling someplace for additional votes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, that's always a concern. That's why people are so uh, frustrated. The woman that comes forward in this case in Florida, she went to bed on election night. I think she made the cut runoff, was the second place finisher, would be able to compete for the seat. Two days later, her vote totals magically go down, and she ends up in third place. And she said, how do we lose ballots? We could. Where'd those ballots go? And that's what motivates her to, to come forward and provide this. Listen, there's a lot of issues going on. We have a big story today. Wisconsin judge last night ruled that there's all these mail-in ballots in Wisconsin that have partial addresses. He says they can't be counted. The election bureaucrats are going to try to count them or fix the addresses. Judge said, no, no, if a voter doesn't get it right, you don't get to count it. Sound familiar? This was the same debate we had in Wisconsin back in 2020. So a lot of these uh, election, as we get closer and closer to a very consequential election, some of the same issues with absentee ballots we heard in 2020, they're back again. Now, uh, I understand uh, uh, they're, they're hiring a whole bunch of GOP lawyers uh, in New York uh, and a bunch of GOP lawyers in uh, Pennsylvania to monitor certain things. Do you think that's going to help? I, I'm sure it's going to help a little bit. 
Yeah, listen, there's also another interesting uh, thing going on. Uh, one of the senior citizen groups for conservatives, AMAC, they have trained 12,000 volunteers to go out and augment the army of election observers in, in states all around the country. One of the largest operations ever uh, organized. Uh, your, a senior citizen is going to spend 12, feet on, 12 hours on the feet going out and making sure that it's easy to vote, hard to cheat. Uh, there's a lot of different things going on. The RNC has filed more than 60 lawsuits challenging uh, illegal, what they believe are illegal rules or illegal procedures in this election. They're winning a lot of them. Just last week in Michigan, the effort to keep poll watchers away from some of the poll places in Michigan, Michigan's Democrat Secretary of State overruled by a court there. So there's a lot more, I would say, proactive preparation for this election than there was in 2020. And even though some of the same issues are coming up, they're getting litigated and resolved before Election Day. And John Solomon, there's another report that just came out that Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer was caught on a hot mic discussing Pennsylvania (laughs) Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman's highly criticized debate performance against Dr. Oz. He's alleged. Well, you can hear him. He says uh, Schumer says we're in danger in that seat, but we don't know exactly which seat he's referring to. He went on to tell the president that the quote, the debate didn't hurt us too much in Pennsylvania. So that's good. Is that because of the early voting? So they're not really worried. Yeah, that's a big part, right? A lot of people got to see the, the, the challenges that Fetterman had after they had voted. Um, and uh, that said, listen, I think a lot of people see that race trending Republican now. We'll see if Chuck Schumer's right. I think there were in danger. Uh, may, maybe a good description for the entire Democratic map right now. All the races are been uh, tightening up and in many cases starting to trend Republican. A pretty remarkable uh, a break in the race. If these polls are right, it could be a good night for Republicans. Democrats are acting a lot more concerned. Uh, they're trumping out uh, Biden, Kamala Harris, and Barack Obama in Pennsylvania to try to buck Fetterman because he's uh, worried about the results of how that uh, 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 debate will play out in the final days of the election. So there's uh, the Democrats seem nervous. Republicans seem a little more confident. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, all candidates are going to have to run through the finish line and see see who wins. And now, according to a bombshell Senate report, the COVID pandemic was most likely the result of a lab leak. Policymakers said there was substantial evidence of an accident at a research facility, while evidence for a natural spillover is still missing. Uh, What do you think about this? They were from the GOP members of the Senate Committee on Health, Education, Labor and Pensions. They reviewed hundreds of studies into the origins of COVID. It sounds pretty much like this is common sense, right? Yeah, and just remember what those of us who had the same intelligence back in 2020 were called in 2020 by the social media companies and by the mainstream media press. We were called conspiracy theorists. We were told not to believe this, even though, at least in my case, I was talking directly to U.S. intelligence who was telling me, listen, we have video footage that raises questions about an accident. The, or, the DNA of this virus looks too manufactured to be a natural origin. We were kept from saying this, or if you did say it, you were put into social media jail, and now we're finding out increasingly, almost every day, new revelations that point toward the original reporting that we all did really shows the dangers of uh, censorship in America, particularly ones in which the government agencies have been encouraging that censorship. It happened with the Hunter Biden laptop. It happened with this and with many other uh, stories over the last two years, and almost all of those censored stories are turning around now and turning out to be true. John Solomon, thank you so much for uh, giving all these breaking news stories to uh, the American people. The American people deserve to know the truth, and uh, God bless you on your work. Thank you so much. 
Thank you, sir. Appreciate it very much. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katz Matidis Cats at Night show. Whoa, what a ride so far, right, John? Wow. I mean, you know, Andrew Cuomo was on fire. Right, talking about crime and how we need John to fix Solomon, it, the immigration problem. Uh, John Solomon talked about all those votes. The voter integrity. Uh, they're trying. Uh, Did uh, I John, hear you right, Kat, that John, Andrew Cuomo was fired? Was oh. fired up. Fired up. <laughs> fired, up. <laughs> fired up. He was very good. Let the record reflect. Yeah, fired up. <laughs> Uh, and uh, bump. John, John McLaughlin, did you did you hear John Solomon's uh, interview? Yes, I did. I, I mean, are they still trying to to, you know, I, I joked about it that uh, that they're going to delay the Pennsylvania count by three days. Is that well, the case they run low on votes? No, what it is is they and Dick's very familiar with this. They passed a law during COVID called Act Seventy Seven that Governor yeah. Wolf signed into law that a lot of Republicans went along with mistakenly and foolishly, where they allow these ballots to come in after Election Day. Plus, they're allowed to cure them. And right now, you know, the 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 early votes, the hundreds of thousands of votes that are coming in in Pennsylvania, running like three to one in favor of the Democrats, five to so, one. Yeah. But five to one, even worse, it's getting worse. <laughs> so Dr. Oz may have had a great debate, and Dick did a survey with John Jordan that we were able to do for him, where Dr. Oz, before the debate, had, had moved ahead in the polls, but uh, uh, slightly ahead in the polls and probably ex- expanded. I saw one poll, he was up by three today. But uh, but you, you got to watch these laws. because um, What is it, three days after the election, they can still count them? Is, it, is right. that because... Jesus built the temple back in three days. Yes, and he rose from the dead. <laughs> I don't think so, but it's, it's in three well, days. Wait a second, that's a good point. Is Fetterman going to be arise from the dead? They're going to give him a treat. Oh, oh, I just hope he gets better. I mean, I, He's you know, disabled. I don't want to You're an You know, Fetterman is a metaphor for Biden. Uh, yes. I mean, the same arrogance of the Democratic Party that foisted Biden on the country, knowing he was falling apart and wasn't that good to begin with, is now foisting Fetterman on the country when he obviously is totally incapable of serving. Uh, yes. This guy doesn't need just a makeup artist. He needs a ventriloquist and a taxidermist. <laughs> but Dick, Dick, Dick Morris, what does it say about the Democrat Party that they... Dick after, Morris is in charge of comedy now. Oh, I know. Dick Morris. But what does that say about the Democrat Party that after that disastrous performance by Fetterman, he raised another $2 million rather than say, my God, this man is mentally compromised. Let's pull him from the race. They're pouring more money into it. Yeah. They they care more well, about the party with, than the people and, and what's good for us. Yeah, well, they're stuck with the candidate. They stuck with the candidate. They, they, stuck should, with have the yanked, they should have yanked him right before yeah. the primary. Yeah. And they could have had Connor Lamb. Yeah, that would have worked. But Lamb was, uh, was too, too moderate. moderate. Too yeah. moderate. But um, I think that we clinched, uh, we clinched the Senate that night. Uh, I think that uh, Oz winning, which he clearly will, uh, is the is the seat we needed? Right now, I'm looking at 53 to 54 seats. Um, Gaz is going to win. Uh, Walker is slightly ahead, but even if he's not ahead, when you look at the people that are not voting for Walker or for Warnock, about four percent, that'll be the runoff difference. That four percent is 75 percent white 
and uh, Walker is carrying three quarters. The, the undecided go to the challenger. You know, nobody Not knows this. Racial. You don't. No, nobody you. nobody yeah, talks yeah. about it. But I'm going to give you the most one of the most important races in the country. Up in uh, uh, where's that pipeline in Michigan? Yeah, because you got a crazy lady that's that's the current governor in Michigan and wants, her attorney general wa- wants to shoot yeah. down that pipeline that goes through Michigan pipeline line five, five. line yeah. five, and, and then you have a common sense Republican yeah. working. Tell Toby. No, it's a Tudor Dixon. Tudor Dixon. I've been working If that on woman were, runs again and something happens to that pipeline, you're going to have $150 oil. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Tudor may win. She won the last two debates. But go back to the Senate. I think that— Well, that's just— I think that's Governor's uh, race is important now. I think we're going to uh, hold all 50 because I think Oz is going to win. Uh, I think Walker is going to win either without a runoff or in a runoff because of the ethnic composition of the runoff vote. Um I think that uh, in Arizona, Masters has now pulled even with Kelly, and he's been on a, on a surge ever since. A really and what about North Carolina? Debate before North Carolina and Ohio are in the bag, but those are in the bag. How about Wisconsin? That's uh, Wisconsin's in the bag. Johnson Johnson always pulls it out in the Johnson six points ahead. He's a good candidate. He's a hardworking guy. He's a great senator. Johnson is a hardworking senator. Forget about the fifty. We we got that. With Oz, the question is takeaway, and I think Walker is one. I think Masters in Arizona is one, and I think Black Salt in Nevada is, although that's iffy. He's only two ahead. Last poll, he was behind. Poll before that, he was tied. The one before that, he was two ahead. But but there is a trend going on. Yeah. (laughs) But there is a trend going on here. So I think we've got, we're going to have Nevada, Georgia, uh, Arizona, North Carolina. That's a keeper. That's I'm talking about takeaways. Yeah, we, we hold on. And, uh, and yeah. also, I think that we have a fairly decent shot in New Hampshire, where uh, in the two oh. polls ago, Bolduck has gone from nine behind to six behind to three behind to one behind. Uh, there's now a Democratic poll that has him six behind, but I buy the one behind. And his big advantage is that the national party has cut him off. <laughs> they hate him because he's too independent. And, uh, and, and I think that's going to help him. The other possibility, possible victory is really funny. It's in Colorado where Joe O'Day is the Republican. And his claim to fame is that Trump has disendorsed him. <laughs> and Colorado, you know, that, that should help him. In that, Colorado. Goes, that goes yeah. a long way. John McLaughlin, what is the latest on the polling regarding Zeldin and Hochul? Obviously, you work for the Zeldin campaign, but just give it to us straight. It's, it's a dead heat, and uh, which is good because Lee has all the momentum in that regard where where these polls that are showing that, I mean, the last poll that was published was a, uh, was a poll that had him ahead by a point. We had him, you know, within a point, and, uh, th- and nothing's come out since the uh, debate. So uh, but although I don't think most New Yorkers saw the debate, I think most New Yorkers got news coverage about it because, you know, they wouldn't give ABC the rights to broadcast it. They, they kept it on some radio channel nobody was listening to, and they, and they only kept it on News One Spectrum like, uh, like uh, the governor wanted it. She doesn't want a debate, and, uh, um, and so she's hiding it. So Lee, Lee's gotten a lot of momentum since that out of the news coverage, and her quote on the Internet, her quote about uh, why is this so important to you about crime? Ooh, it's a killer. It, it, that's. 
It's, it's right. That's taking off. And it's, it, it just makes us look so out of touch with New Yorkers who you just had Andrew Cuomo on the program talking about how crime is worse than ever in New York. Well, that's a headline coming from him. But let me tell you, do you think somebody's um, going to run an ad, John, quoting her saying, I don't know why that's so important to you? They're they're already up. Okay, good. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't my idea, but I think a lot of people saw this. That really is a let them make cake. Wow, live. You know, she talks about crime in the debate, and she said, "I don't know why that's so important." We got about a minute, minute and a half left before we have to take a hard break. Give us the conclusions, Dick, and give us the conclusions, uh, John. Plus sixty seats in the House, fifty four in the Senate. Imagine that. What do you think, McLaughlin? Uh I'm almost there. Dick's almost got me there. <laughs> By the way, there's 12 days left. And remember, in 2012, we all thought Romney would be president at this point. No. <laughs> it's like, so, John, you're hitting so, me in a soft I, spot. Yeah, that's, that's not good. <laughs> I was there with you, Dick. So let me tell you. But, yeah, but, but you her, didn't get kicked her, off O'Reilly for it. <laughs> oh, it, it took Hurricane Sandy, you know, to get Obama back into the game. And once you saw him hug... Obama, I don't know what they do with Biden. Biden, they sent him up to Syracuse today. So my guess is my candidate up there, Brandon Williams, is probably going to win now because he's running for Congress and Gakko's old seat. So it's like Biden, they're going to hide for the next 12 days. And and President Trump's going out there to Iowa. He's going to, uh, uh, you know, he's going to Pennsylvania. He's he's going to get people elected. I have a column I just Uh, wrote, Biden. Going, going, gone. Remember <laughs> Mel Allen with the Yankee yeah, games? Well, last question. Oh, yeah. Now, there's a, still an argument going on but between Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. Is there still an argument going on? Yeah, they hate each other, and uh, we'll have to see how that goes. The McConnell has been actively sabotaging Trump candidates. Wow. In the primary, and even now, we just talked about one, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. where he has him on a blacklist, and... Uh, uh, because he doesn't like him. But, you know, McConnell's view of the world is that now, he tell wants... Tell the candidates in New Hampshire. Uh, Balduck is our guy. Well, Hassan is the Hassan is the Democrat incumbent. Hassan is the Democratic senator. Uh, Balduck, general, forget his first name, B-O-L-D-U-C. Um, but, you know, McConnell's point of view is he wants to be a leader and he's impartial as to whether it's majority or minority. Wow. Mm. I won't I, I won't go that far. John, anything else before we got 20 seconds left? No, we just got to keep up We're, things are moving our way for the Republicans. We just have to keep the momentum going. The Democrats are on the defense on these issues whether it's inflation or crime or the border with fentanyl. Yeah, but uh, we so- have to realize that the Democrats are beating us 4 to 1 in early voting. And we don't want to go into this year with another $10 million deficit, 10 million vote deficit like we did in 2020. Do you think that's why uh, Chuck Schumer said today about the Fetterman? Like, oh, you know, I'm not too worried. In Pennsylvania, uh, Fetterman now has 550,000 votes and Oz has 100,000 if you do the projections. All right. That break has to happen now. Let's take that break. And uh, thank you, uh, John. And thank you, Dick. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us, Ryan Payne, President and Chief Investment Officer of Payne Capital Management. That's P-A-Y-N-E. He also has a great show on every Saturday at what time? With Steve Moore. With Steve Moore? One o'clock, Steve Moore. Yes. All right. What the heck is going on? Besides this one. Well, I'll tell you what. It's the first day I'm on. We have some good news. Finally. 
GDP uh, growth came out better than expected, 2.6%. Mm-hmm. Which, John, I'm going to say this. You and I are probably the only two people I know that have been saying the economy is not in bad shape. <laughs> and uh, this is proof that we're actually on pretty strong footing, um, which was a big surprise to Wall Street. It was a big surprise to a lot of the economists out there. But uh, the economy grew healthily. Even with uh, Skyride in place. I'm supposed to be on Maria Bartolomo tomorrow. Is I'm, am I going on with you? I wish. I was on earlier this week, but if, you, right. if she was smart and she wants the ratings to go up, she'd put us on together. Oh, my God. <laughs> <had a> ball. <laughs> so the economy's good, Ryan Ed Cox. The economy's good. Isn't that bad? If the economy's good, then the Fed's going to up interest rates more? You know, it's ironic because that's kind of been the narrative, Ed, but ironically today, the 10 year Treasury actually went down. So does that is that telling us something? I I think it is. I think it is. Number one, I think, you know, what the market's telling you, I think the Fed's starting to realize is they have to pause here because if you just keep raising interest rates blindly and it takes a while for those interest rate hikes to really affect the economy, you know, you kind of have to take a pause here and see what happens. So I think, you know, we're starting to see the Fed talk a little more dovish. And again, that'll be very, very, you know, that'll be great, too. I mean, that's good news as well. So. And, and me and you have been saying that for the uh, for the last uh, what uh, three months? At least three months. At least, John, they, I don't know what it is, but Washington should have us. They should have us on Washington. That's all I know. Well, they should name one of us the Federal Reserve Chairman. <laughs> <laughs> I'd vote for us. The, the country. Listen, the country may survive that. <laughs> It might survive, and I think it will. We've got, we got another minute or so. What else do you want to tell New Yorkers? Um, the whole East Coast, it's after dark now, so we're, we're up and down the whole East Coast. Beautiful. Well, I think, look, I think, number one, I think that's a really good sign. I think the economy is a lot better than what they're telling you right now. Um, I think, number two, you know, oil prices are my, my big concern because the economy stays strong, and we know that you know, at some point China is going to be still out of lockdown 100%. That means oil prices go a lot higher here. So, you know, I think, and I know you feel this way, John. I don't know if you heard what I said a few minutes ago, that if governor, we had Dick Morris here and John McLaughlin on, uh, if if that governor in in Michigan wins uh, and she shuts down that pipeline five, you're going to have $150 oil. Yeah, and then we'll be right back to where we were with super high inflation. The Fed means the Fed's got to keep raising interest rates. That's what we don't want. So... You know, we've got to do something about the oil situation. It's not going to get better, especially if the economy stays strong. That's huge. Agreed. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Beautiful. Have a great night. Thank, thank you. you. And now we have Dr. Mark Siegel. You had an excellent column in the New York Post today regarding John Fetterman. Uh, what's, your, what's your assessment, doctor? Well, he asked for it, didn't he, Lydia? Correct. By the way, when am I going to get to meet you? I, I know. I, just, I know. We got to get we, together. John, you got to bring us together. Well, why don't you come to the studio one day and uh, we'll spend an hour together. And then maybe if, if Lydia really likes you, we'll take you out to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, yeah, she, she's. I already right, love she him. Decide. She has to decide. And then you're paying. So. <laughs> okay. So, I always so, do. so, doctor, what's does. your take on so, Fetterman? So my take on Fetterman is that to start with, Fetterman has a bad heart and he has an arrhythmia and he's got a pacemaker and wow. they put a defibrillator in him. You know who they put defibrillators in? People that might die on the spot. So there's already a risk of sudden death here. On top of that, he could throw another clot. There's a 23% chance of another stroke over the, this year 
even if he didn't have these heart problems. So he was a high risk of something. Then so if he, he wins, offered, the governor, the current governor, gets to pick the next Democrat. Well, Senate. Yeah, yeah. If Shapiro wins as governor, but, but, but he's he a Democrat. No, 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 no. If if the if the no, he hasn't if, the office. If Fetterman wins next uh, next week, he doesn't and then he dies. He doesn't become senator until January. No, but if he dies in between, he's not the senator yet. But who's going to pick the next senator? Yeah, the new governor. Sure. The new governor in January. Well, I'm fine. The, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Yes. You okay. guys are confused. So, so <laughs> what you say? I'm having a Fetterman moment. Yes. Just, okay. oh. So back to the debate. Fetterman Good said, recovery. let's use this debate to tell what kind of shape I'm in. He said, I'm not showing my records. I'm not revealing that MRI or that cardiac echo. Use the, the debate to decide. Well, I have to tell you, I didn't think his executive function was there. I didn't think he could give a complex answer with a plan. I didn't think he could string together his thoughts that well. I don't think it's a question of just expression. I thought it was a question of comprehension as well. What do you think, Lydia? Well, the fact that he won't release his medical records, I I think that says it all right there. And we need to see the brain scans. We need to see the MRI and see if there is brain damage because he's saying it's just an auditory processing disorder. But we don't know that for sure because he won't release. And it's not, though, based on what we're seeing. A physician watching an hour of that. I mean, it's not like a video clip. I always say when I say release records, I always add I never examined the patient. That's only a video clip. This was a one hour debate I watched. And it wasn't just one example. It was multiple examples. He, you know, when they asked him about fracking, he said, I, don't, I believe in fracking. I believe in fracking. Well, John, you know, he doesn't believe in fracking. But even even then, he kept saying the word and no further explanation. It was not a particularly impressive outing in terms of believing that he's over this stroke. And by the way, let, let's be compassionate about it. He needs more rehab. Yes. And, you know, we wish him well. We really wish him well. But we don't I, I don't think that it, it looks like if that debate is any any indication. This is my New York Post piece. If that debate is any indication, he's not up to the level of performing a senator's job and voting on bills and reading through them and figuring it out. Of course, some senators probably don't do that. Right. Right. Exactly. And the fact that his team came out and said that the closed captioning was off. I mean, how is he going to function as a senator with closed captioning? He can't string two coherent sentences together, but then again, we have a president with the same issue, so I don't know. Look, it's and a too vice important. president. Listen, it's too important a time <laughs> in our history to not have the best and the brightest in office. So it's reprehensible the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania to keep this guy in. Morally outrageous. Morally outrageous indeed. Yeah, and they knew about it, by the way. They're hiding it, you know, much as they're hiding the situation with, with the president, although this is far worse. This is this is an injury to the brain. You you mentioned brain damage. I mean, oh, stroke is brain damage. Yes. They yes. sucked out the clot, but but it was clear that time had elapsed, and there, there was a degree of brain damage. I can tell you it's the left side of the brain, and it's processing. It's thinking. It's this. It's planning. It's details. It's, it's juggling different things at once. That's just what you have to do in the Senate. I had a close family member who had a stroke. Almost, he almost died from it and there's still lingering effects, so it's serious. Well, we're at the end of the show. Dr. Siegel, thank you, and uh, thank you, uh, Judge Weinberg, Ed Cox, Lydia Serrani, and what do we all stand for? Truth, 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 justice, and the American way. God bless America. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 